Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Sudan, a poor country strategically located south of Egypt along the Nile and the Red Sea, has in recent weeks descended into chaos and destruction due to a conflict between two generals who were supposed to share power. General Abdel Fattah al-Bulkhan's armed forces and General Dagalo's rapid support force have spared neither each other's troops nor civilians caught in the crossfire. Foreigners, including diplomats, were evacuated or asked to stay out. Who are the internal and external elements involved in this deadly dispute, and what are the implications for Israel and the entire region, and what are the prospects for a possible compromise? Joining us all the way from central Israel is Dr. Chaim Koren, who is a former Israeli ambassador to both Egypt and South Sudan, respectively, as well as a lecturer at Reichman University in Herzliya. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you. Also joining us from elsewhere here in Jerusalem is Dr. Neil Bohms, who is a research fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Good to be here. And with me in the studio, as usual, is our TV7 editor-at-large, Mr. Amir Oren, who is the host of Watchman Talks, Powers in Play, and so much more. Amir, give us a broader understanding on this uh, conflict, potentially uh, not yet out of hand, but uh, with all efforts to... Uh, avoid a final confrontation. It seems that neither side is willing to budge, at least at this point in time. So, um, obviously, we here in Israel uh, always believe that Israel is the center of the universe, that whatever happens, especially in the region, has a lot to do with it. This time around, it's only tangential. Yes, Israel has uh, some angle Um, because obviously expectations were high several years ago after the Abraham Accords when Sudan was supposed to upgrade its uh, semi-clandestine relations with Israel. But Israel is now only one among several, perhaps many, uh, nations and sometimes organizations such as the Wagner Group in Russia involved in uh, what happens uh, in Sudan. Now, um, one of uh, Sudan's neighbors is obviously Libya. And what we have seen in Libya, as well as in other Arab countries, is being repeated here. You have two warlords, whether they are wearing uh, a uniform and call themselves generals or marshals or whatever, does not matter. But you have two competing centers of power, rather than share power or even work towards democracy, as these two have promised to do uh, a few years ago when they toppled uh, a former general, Omar al-Bashir, they are fighting each other sometimes along tribal or uh, regional district uh, lines, sometimes because they are being armed by outsiders. They are both power hungry. They are not going uh, to relent. And uh, as you said, It might take a long time, and up to now, there have already been several hundred uh, Sudanese killed and uh, more than 4,000 wounded, and death and destruction are apparently upon Sudan for a long time. One more line, we mentioned, you mentioned in your introduction that it's a poor country, and it is, but it is also resource-rich. 
And there are foreigners looking out uh, to get their hands either on these resources or on the ports along the uh, Red Sea coast, coast because the Sudan is tactically situated in a way that can impact uh, maritime uh, transportation and also military moves um, towards Iran or uh, Yemen. I think it's even more than tactically situated and maybe even strategically situated, uh, considering the fact that strategic power competition is taking form right now uh, quite vigorously in, in the continent of Africa, and it is a source of uh, much instability at this point in time. I'd like to ask you, Ambassador Cohen, uh, just earlier this year we saw Israeli Foreign Minister Eli Cohen travel to Sudan in a covert uh, meeting with uh, uh, the the designate president, if you will, uh, the, the general uh, Abdel Fattah al-Bulhan, uh, during which uh, there were various agreements, including an agreement of uh, uh, an agreement to agree upon a signature of an agreement, uh, if you will, uh, with uh, between Sudan and Israel on um, making a peace treaty, basically, that would then uh, allow Israel to assist in civilian development, uh, in uh, agriculture and other areas which Israel excels in. But uh, if we're, we're looking at this prism from an Israeli eyes, to what degree should Israel be concerned about the situation in Sudan at this stage and in, in this various development? According to the process that should have been uh, at that stage, uh, now, the, they have to be voted this year, to, uh, 2023, to the parliament, and he, the parliament should be reaffirmed the signature on Abraham Accord and then the road to uh, promote the uh, relationship with Israel is supposed to be open. But uh, everybody knew that uh, domestically they have a lot of uh, uh, difficulties to overcome. And the tension between those two generals was from the very beginning. In fact, both of them uh, practiced under Bashir many, many years, each one on its own uh, duty. And they came along with their, uh, uh, their role in the uh, Sudanese involvement in the Arab forces in Yemen. And then when Burhan was the Commander uh, uh, Hameti or Dagalo was the guy who uh, who led the uh, militias, the uh, uh, RSF, or what used to be in the past the Janjaweed, uh, which contained by most of the Arab countries, and in fact, 90% of the Sudanese army in Yemen was with the RSF, and that in that actually, they enabled it to be part of the Sudanese army. On that, uh, uh, Dagalo or Hemeti came very powerful to the arena within Sudan, and they decided to have a, sh uh, a share of power between themselves, uh, although the tension was there all the time. When they have to add a civilian uh, part to the triangle, it became more uh, problematic, but still, when Hamduk uh, came to this triangle, uh, they three, all the three of them agreed about the process with Israel. That is was very interesting because they understood the only way to get out from 
the terrible situation economy basically in Sudan is to go to have peace with Israel, a, a step that Bashir in fact started already in 2016. And then once they couldn't get, uh, get it better, uh, the tension came out because each of them has relationship, strong relationship with international powers, with other countries, uh, Burhan with the Egyptians, Hemeti with the Emirates, and so on. Hemeti is its own agenda with Russia, as Amir mentioned before. And we all know that they promised to the Russians before uh, the war in Ukraine to enable them uh, for their uh, navy uh, uh, step, uh, uh, a place in Port Sudan, and they were negotiating it. And, and then Hemeti also enabled gold to Russia in order to help it finance it, uh, the war in Ukraine. And of course, as you mentioned, Wagner uh, uh, troops is involved in Sudan. So you're not talking only about domestic issues, but an issue that spread out and everybody is involved. Before there, Turkey and Qatar were heavily involved in the time of Bashir. Now, to take it out from that situation now, it's not easy. And it's true that it's Israeli interest to try to help to solve the situation by mediation. But that is a long process now. And after American, French, and others evacuated from Sudan, now uh, we need to think how that's uh, going to be done. That's not an, easy uh, not an easy uh, task at all. Well, you gave uh, quite an... Uh, uh holistic overview with uh, very important details within uh, this context. But I'd like to ask Dr. Bums, uh, if you may, uh, set the landscape for us. What is the strategic value of Sudan uh, within the composition of uh, Africa, for that matter, uh, East Africa, and uh, the significance to its neighbors, because it's also part of a dispute, of course, between Ethiopia and Egypt. It has quite the significant interests in Libya, which of course then has implications for Europe. And it also has been a uh, staging ground uh, for the Islamic Republic of Iran in the past, uh, which uh, allegedly drew also Israeli bombardments in that, uh, into that country. Uh, so if you will, what is the significance of Sudan today? Well, Sudan is a large country, 48 million uh, people almost, as you've mentioned. Uh, it is located uh, in uh, uh, strategically enough, uh, so it will have interest of other parties um, from uh, a port until agriculture and water. And all of that uh, made uh, Sudan, although uh, a country uh, which is really a failed state uh, for, for quite uh, uh, now for quite some time uh, beforehand with a dictatorship, uh, that brought uh, a degree of stability, but did not uh, bring Sudan any close to prosperity. Now, to the interest of all the parties that you've mentioned, uh, from, from an Israeli perspective, uh, Sudan has been a part uh, of uh, uh, the influence of uh, factors that brought uh, weapons, um, Hezbollah, Iran-related, um, that went uh, our way uh, through uh, Africa. Um, and the reason why there was an interest in Sudan is really because of the involvement of all the external 
uh, forces and partners. Uh, Russia very much and probably at this point may be able to get the uh, uh, part of the strategic control uh, uh, over the uh, uh, waterways um, in the south uh, um, uh, part of uh, Sudan. Uh, and uh, the fact that you have all of this uh, collage of external uh, players uh, means that this is again not a local uh, dispute. Uh, you have money involved, uh, you have uh, weapons involved, uh, you have uh, territorial influence. Uh, you know, uh, we have uh, we've had a, a, a potential uh, a significant uh, escalation and, and potential wars in Africa over water. Uh, Sudan has the, the source of uh, some of that in, uh, uh, in Africa. Um, and uh, therefore, uh, Sudan, uh, because of its size uh, and uh, strategic location, uh, is uh, attracted for quite some time uh, the uh, involvement of uh, all the players that are now in many ways are involved in the fight. And I will just end but uh, that we have not spoken about the American uh, role here, uh, which to some degree has been uh, pivotal uh, uh, to the creation of the current crisis. Indeed. Well, uh, I'd like to hear more about the American role, of course, in the, the picture. Uh, we had, of course, the commander of uh, Africa uh, on several uh, instances warn of Russia's increasing involvement, particularly, of course, of its uh, subsidiary military, Wagner, uh, which is uh, controlled and, and operates uh, uh, quite vigorously in support of regimes and the attempt to safeguard those regimes, uh, something that, of course, now with uh, Russia's involvement increasing in the Sudanese theater, uh, we also see American increase of involvement in an attempt to counterbalance. Uh, to what degree is that indeed taking a, a pivot uh, within this whole circumstance? So obviously the uh, Horn of Africa um, has been a bone of contention in the Cold War between the Americans and the Soviets. Uh, after Eritrea got its independence, obviously the situation changed a bit because uh, previously the Americans had a very uh, important uh, NSA station at Cagnew, uh, but they, they had to withdraw uh, from there. And um, what one uh, may uh, expect looking uh, a bit to the future is the Chinese too coming uh, to this area, whether they are going to share with the Russians their naval facilities once they get them or not remains to be seen. But because there is an axis, there is an alliance um, which may be uh, global in its reach, we should expect that the uh, Chinese move to have maritime units uh, away from the Chinese mainland or from the first island chain uh, as they uh, usually call it, in Southeast Asia. Yes, this is possible. But for the Israelis, the main interest is for Sudan not to become a no man's land. Because earlier, um, until the um, uh, mid-decade, a few years ago, the Iranians used Sudan as a way station, as a launching pad, in order to bring weapons into Gaza and perhaps into uh, Lebanon for Hezbollah. So it's in Israel's interest to have peace or at least uh, some armistice 
between the warring factions in Khartoum and to prevent outside forces such as Iran from meddling in Sudanese affairs. It was quite interesting to see the Israeli statement uh, not coming in support of any one of the sides, but rather calling for calm and the the peace and prosperity of the Sudanese people. Uh, Ambassador Kuren, how do you interpret that? Uh, that is very clear. In, in that particular case, all the main factors in Sudan supporting the peace with Israel. That means that both Khamati and uh, Burhan are uh, promoting anything, knowing and agreeing that uh, that's the only way that can take Sudan out of its disaster uh, and economy in the impressions of the brutality of Bashir regime and so on. So they would do anything, and in fact, they ask for mediation. And it's not a secret that... Uh, Around a year ago, even the Americans asked Israelis to be involved and to help in mediation between the rivalries within the the leading uh, the leading military and civilian government there, in order to make it uh, easy to go on. It, needless to say that others are heavily involved, Egypt and, and Emirates and Saudi Arabia, of course. Uh, so uh, it's interest of everybody the stability. Of, uh, of this country is a stone corner for everybody, including the Chinese and the Russians. It's interest of everybody. So they invest a lot of money, they invested a lot of money in order to uh, promote a, a kind of, uh, I would say, understanding between the leaders and trying to, uh, uh, to make it, uh, to make some kind of a relief specifically after the rumors that Bashir succeeded to run away from the jail now, and uh, which creates another problem because some of the, his loyal people, they involved in the situation, in the demonstration, because they lost power, they would, be, would like to be also in the leading elite together with Hemeti and Burhan. And they're trying to jeopardize anything that leaves them out. So the domestic scene is extremely important. Uh, and also when you're taking into consideration the brutality of the RS <coughs> RSF uh, 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 handling the demonstrators, the, it's a really, uh, a really shocking, uh, the, this cruelty. And you think, how can they go on? And when they, uh, uh, when they would come to a situation of some kind of reconciliation. Now, needless to say that the citizens of Sudan are expecting finally after three crazy decade, uh, decades under Bashir to have kind of a relief and supporting any government. They, they are ready to accept this leadership as long as they give them any kind of, uh, of hope of uh, of kind of window of opportunity, and that is a very bad state right now, both domestically and also uh, uh, from outside. So we need to see who is taking the the leadership in, in persuading those leaders to, uh, because according to what I hear, they decided to go till the end, not give up to each uh, one to the other, and to. Uh, get rid of the RSF from the one point of view. And even the RSF called with the, in the TV uh, uh, 
message to Israel to understand their uh, position in this uh, conflict and to try to understand and support the RSF. So that that situation, and we found ourselves as kind of uh, 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 and, and, and somebody who must take a position that's not the case, that's not the interest of Israel to decide who who is right and who is wrong. A country in the region that uh, we're all familiar with and uh, usually excels in times of uh, chaos and strife, the Islamic Republic of Iran, uh, has had its own interests in Sudan. Uh, to what degree does this now open the opportunity for Iran to enter into the fold? Uh, Dr. Bones, I'll uh, like to hear your position on that. Well, Iran has been there before, and in some ways uh, the developments uh, and the move to bring Sudan out of the terrorist list uh, was meant to push the Iranians away. On, on the one hand, you have uh, the, the Egyptians and the Americans. On the other hand, you had the Russians, the Saudis and the Emiratis. All of them are not fond of uh, bringing Iran in. But uh, then when you now have the two generals uh, fighting, and I agree with my colleague, with Ambassador Koran, that uh, may be fighting to the end, uh, then people will they will need a hand they will need additional help iran is certainly in a in a place in where it attempts to recalibrate its position uh, on the regional and on the global stage um and uh, undoubtedly it will seek um to uh, to move in uh, I, I think it's also important to to say that uh, uh, in uh, in theoretically the plan to stabilize uh, Sudan uh, made a lot of sense. We The idea that to have one military, having the militias be incorporated into a military structure under one command, um, it certainly makes sense, theoretically speaking. Uh, but, you know, in theory, there is not much difference between theory and practice, and in practice, there often is. Uh, and the fact that there was perhaps uh, too much of a push to bring uh, partners that are not, that are really rivals, uh, and to get them together uh, actually almost brought, uh, uh, if, if I read correctly, the description of what had happened uh, on April uh, 15, uh, that really the, uh, uh, the armed forces reached all the way to uh, Burhan's uh, palace uh, very close uh, to him. Um, we have a clear indication that this is not going to a negotiation. So now, uh, uh, either the Iranians or any other forces, somebody will need to pick a side. And I think it's important uh, that uh, there's going to be an understanding, even in this country, that although it's maybe good to sit on the fence, uh, because perhaps uh, one of the either side will be able to work thus in the future, uh, I think the world at some point will also need to pick a side. And I think that in this particular case, when we're looking at both sides, uh, I think there is uh, one side that has established uh, uh, credentials uh, of uh, of cruelty, uh, oppression uh, of a magnitude of a different magnitude, uh, and I'm talking about General Khamenei. That I think uh, his uh, place of re of residence should be uh, in the Hague, in the Hague, and not in the palace in Sudan. You know, when I uh, listen to the uh, three of you, and um, because Israel celebrated uh, its Independence uh, Day uh, earlier this week, it uh, brings to mind the wisdom of David Ben-Gurion, who did not allow any militias, any additional armed forces. He insisted on having 
one Israel defense force. It came out of Haganah, one of the three undergrounds uh, during the British mandate, obviously the biggest one and the one uh, subject to um, the authority of uh, the various institutions of uh, the uh, uh, putative state. But other countries in the Middle East did not behave so wisely. And we see it in the uh, Sudanese example, in many other examples. And there are places where it is a matter of policy to have the regular Artesh, the army, and the Pasadaran, the, the uh, uh, Revolutionary Guards, or even in Saudi Arabia, the National Guard versus the military. It's, it's a recipe for disaster. Indeed, and of course, taking that analogy, we can always think about the fact that uh, while the IDF was established, uh, there was, of course, the Irgun that refused uh, to enter into the fold. And at that moment, uh, Lechi and Etzel uh, have uh, been uh, uh, convinced, at least by the French, uh, to acquire some weaponry for Paris's interests, and it allows a lot of room for international powers to maneuver within that context. This is the so-called Altalena affair. Indeed, which almost yeah. brought about a civil war in Israel, and then removing that obstacle and integrating and becoming one armed force obviously uh, evaded Israel from catastrophe. Uh, one closing sentence, Ambassador Corinne, are we expected to see some sort of dialogue in the near future or is that uh, too far of an ask uh, for Sudan these days? I assume there will be a heavy pressure on both leaders to uh, make anything to, for towards reconciliation. Otherwise, uh, they cannot take this wagon, both of them, or one uh, fight the other. And what's worrying is the situation now in the Middle East, which is changing rapidly. And after the agreement between Saudi Arabia and Iran, that might reflect immediately on Sudan, because mm -hmm. uh, Iran would like to renew all good relationship. And the, here's the situation that, that I might do it with a uh, new uh, atmosphere of Qatar on the background in Turkey and other who might, again, be involved in the terrorist side of Sudan using the opportunity. Uh, but I assume that uh, Egypt and Saudi Arabia and even China uh, 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 with the U.S. do anything together with Israel to bring those two gentlemen back to the track in order to take Sudan out of this uh, situation. Indeed. Let's hope that uh, that will succeed. Dr. Bombs, one sentence very briefly. I hope that the solution will be found, even if it's not uh, the moral or the ethical solution. Uh, Sudan and the Sudanese people certainly needs a break. Well, this is all the time that we have for today, so I'd like to thank Ambassador Cohen, Dr. Bones, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's panel. I'd like to thank you all at home as well for watching today's episode, and until next time, Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.